The Hornets win back-to-back games, this time against the Indiana Pacers. What is so different? How do the new additions look so good out there on the floor with one another? We'll discuss it all today on Locked on Hornets. We're Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. Real quickly, did want to give a shout to Prize Picks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's Doug Branson. You can find him on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And I'm Walker Mail. You can listen to me on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ every weekday on Wesson Walker from 12 to 3 p.m. We'll be talking about a Hornets victory there too. How about Charlotte beating Indiana last night, 111 to 102? They're 2 and 0. Since they've got all of the additions playing for their squad, okay, they're 12 and 41. And I was talking about this with Colin Hoggard over at WFNZ. And are you laughing at something specifically or just the victory over? I was laughing at Sam Farber's tweets. Uh, he is the uh, radio voice of the Charlotte Hornets. He tweeted that the Hornets are six and oh, and this you, you saying that reminded me of the tweet. Mm-hmm. He said the Hornets are 6-0 and when they shoot above 53%. <laughs> and I was like, yes, they're 12-0 and when they score more points than their opponent. <laughs> like, yeah, if you shoot over 50%, you're, you're, you're most likely going to win the game. No, they're, they're shooting extremely well, and especially off of the bench. They actually have a bench presence right now. And I was talking about this with Colin, and this was even before the Indiana game, right? So they beat Memphis even if Memphis is also down bad, real bad. And it was like, Colin even brought it to me. The Hornets fans have never been more happy. The fan base has (laughs) never been happier than beating Memphis. We were so down bad, but now we even have go Hornets chance in Spectrum Center where everybody is taking note of it. The team is out there seemingly having fun playing together, playing on the court. That's really cool. And so there are a lot of good things to note. The new additions, Grant Williams is shooting pretty well from three. And this one, he was two of six, but he's bringing physicality. He was seven of eight from the free throw line. So that's nice. 21 points. I believe that ties a career high. And he was the leading scorer for the Charlotte Hornets. Miles Bridges scoring 20. Brandon Miller making plays down the stretch, continuing his efficient play. Michich, even with a travel, yes, maybe. Who cares? There was the Euro step that was also a big bucket (laughs) down the line, and then Seth Curry going for 18 with a bunch of buckets made, too. Man, this was an awesome game to see. Uh, It totally was. And, I mean, the timing on this is just incredible for the new ownership group because, uh, you know, you you really – you have nothing to lose at this point at the end of the season and you get to put exciting basketball in front of fans when, look, the Panthers are down bad too, right? There's not a ton of competition in Charlotte, um, you know. So, I I think this is is (laughs) great. Yes, they are. Charlotte fans are hungry – for something to go right in their city. And this right now is going right. And so much of it is driven by these bench players. It is it is Grant Williams uh, shooting the lights out. It's the Hornets' ability to play NBA-level basketball in terms of the IQ that's on the floor, in terms of the effort 
that's on the floor right now, everyone's still in tryout mode. You know, I mean, all these guys want to remain in this rotation, not just this season, but but a ton of these guys are here next season too. You know, that's the whole thing. It's not like if these guys were all on expiring deals, yeah, maybe they'd be trying out for their next team. But look, they're looking at uh, Clifford and, and, you know, maybe they think he's going to stay and they want to battle for a chance to be part of this rotation when there is something to play for. And they're all playing like it right now. It's, it's really great to see. And it allows Miles Bridges – room to drive. It allows Brandon Miller not to have to play 40 minutes a night and to take a thousand shots per night. Uh, It's giving him a little rest as we get to this uh, end of the, you know, pre all-star break period. It's just, everything is, is so perfect right now. And they get a win against a good team. Like you can't make the the Memphis excuse on this. They were 10 point dogs going into this game and they win by nine. No, you're right. That's the big one, right? So now, okay, and this is what we were even messing with, too, against Memphis. Part of the reason, even if we joke how terrible the Grizzlies have been this year, because they might be the only team in the league that had worse worse injury luck than what the Hornets had. But you're right. Here are the Pacers that are playing really well. And even offensively, Doug, the Pacers are one of the best offensive teams that we've seen in recent memory, and they score 102 points to the 111 that the Hornets were able to put out there. It's not like they were suffering a ton of injuries either. Halliburton was out there. Miles Turner, Pascal Siakam, their big ticket addition right before they got to the trade deadline. Their bench, they even have some of the guys that they traded for. Dougie McBuckets is back for them, but even so, you still have Ben Matherin, who's getting 15 minutes. Like The injuries weren't a problem for Indiana, and so I think that was the big thing here that, okay, now it's real. Now you have two back-to-back victories, and you're getting help from different sources on the bench. Mm -hmm. So Grant Williams, he was big time in the last two games. Seth Curry did basically nothing against Memphis. Like that just wasn't, it was everybody else that we were focused on here. He did like Seth Curry did a lot of shot making seven of 11 from the field. Only two of his made field goals were from three point range. And yet he still scored 18 points. He was a monster off of the bench scoring the basketball, Doug. And here they are continuing to move it. 27 assists again. So part of the assist thing is, okay, you have to move the ball well and you have to make shots when there is an opportunity to make those shots. But even here, yeah, they shoot over 53% from the field, but under 30 from beyond the arc. So it's not like you just even had these easy assists where, okay, there's somebody, not easy, but you get the point, just the assist where you throw it to somebody out there at the top of the key and then they drain it because they're wide open. Like you're not even getting the three-pointers to continue that assist rate to go up. And so I think the ball movement continues to be on display and you're seeing better offense because of it. Hell, 111, like 111 was there 125. And here they are actually scoring the basketball at a better rate the last couple of games. Well, it's ball movement, Walker, but it's also body movement. I mean, it's so crazy. Like, all these newbies, these guys that they brought in post-trade deadline, all these guys cut all the time. Like, Micic, who didn't have a great game in this one, but he's constantly moving around. He's constantly moving the defense, which is going to – it's just going to naturally result in open shots or open driving lanes for other players. I mean, there was a play – like uh, around eight minutes to go in the second quarter, Bertans, who would go on to like miss every single three after this, but he hits this three three where he relocates perfectly. I mean, it was just like as Richards drives, gets down to the dunker spot, 
and and just draws that defender in a little bit. Bertans recognizes it immediately, relocates up to the left wing, and he's there for an open shot, and he hits the three. Like that's, you, you look at some of these players and you go, okay, look, I, I was a huge fan of JT Thor. I wanted him to succeed. It just didn't work out. Okay, I imagine Thor in that position. I don't even know if he makes the relocation, but if he does. He doesn't have the confidence to take the shot that Bertans hit, which was heavily contested. He almost got hit. And and he doesn't have the confidence to take that shot, and I don't think he has the skill to make that shot. So it's really, you know, people are like, man, I'm so – I don't think many people are like this, but I think there are some that are looking at this and going, how could it be so different? And it's really just a case of bringing in guys who have been on legitimate NBA rotations – with playoff contending teams. They know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. And a lot of these guys have been pushed out into the fringes of the ro- of that rotation, and they're hungry. They're hungry, and they know how to play. And when you have guys like that, anything's possible. So now it's the whole honeymoon phase, right? Because I saw you tweet this out with Steve Clifford's comments. This is great. This is all very new. This is the very football-esque term of not having film out on these guys yet, and so you don't know how they'll play, and you're not exactly sure what's going to go on. Grant Williams had a higher usage rate last night against Indiana than, I mean, I don't know about how much he's gotten compared to any other game in Dallas, but there, there were a few games, I guess, in Dallas that he had something similar, but not many, right? Like he's been above in the 50th percentile the last couple of games as far as how much he's been used. And so teams are trying to figure out, okay, how are the Hornets going to play with Trey Mann starting, with Grant Williams getting all this time, with Michich coming in and playing a lot, Seth Curry now, right? So now it's interesting to see, okay, is this a 10-game stretch where they start playing better? And then our team's going to adapt. But right now, it's just a lot of fun to see what they're able to do and to see how long they can keep it going. Last thoughts before we move on? Well, it is a honeymoon phase, and they will have trials ahead of them, right? I mean, right now, Brandon Miller is being deferential. And Miles Bridges is not. Miles Bridges is getting his. He had a near triple-double last night. What, 20 points, uh, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, if I remember correctly. So, you know, eventually Brandon Miller is going to want more shots. So how does that work, right? Somebody's got to give somebody's got to sacrifice. This bench right now is in tryout mode and I think everyone sort of is looking for their shot on the bench and and some of the guys that have been around here before are looking to make that happen to build their confidence to get them ready for the rest of the season. But eventually that has to shift. Here's another trial. LaMelo Ball most likely comes back at some point. I saw him warming up before the game. Like I, I don't think he comes back before this All-Star break, but certainly after the All-Star break, I would expect him uh, to play. And so how does that all work? Who has to give it up then? Is it Michich? Is it Mann? So there are trials and tribulations ahead of this game, uh, ahead for this team. But here's the key, and Clifford has talked about it all season, and he mentioned it last night. This league is about having the right kind of players, toughness, effort, high character, People like to overvalue coaching, and they undervalue finding 9 to 11 guys who want to leave it all on the floor. And I think it looks like they found a few guys who want to leave it all on the floor. I'm really interested in the Brandon Miller aspect. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. How have we seen Brandon Miller's game change yet remain the same? And is there more volume coming, or is this just what we can expect the rest of the season? We'll get to that in just a moment on Locked on Hornets. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is an America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports here at Prize Picks, and it's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than 
on two to six player stat projections, and then you can watch the winnings roll in. It's even time too on prize picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts, and you can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. That's it. That's all you have to do. So go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use code NBA for a first deposit matchup to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. More Lockdown Hornets ahead. Doug, you brought up Brandon Miller in the first segment with some of the the lack of volume here. Like that's that's something that's been interesting to see with the new additions, right? So just for reference, the last game they played without Grand and Michic and all the guys coming over, he played against Milwaukee and it was a terrible performance on the road. It was, you know, it was the perfect storm to get a beat down. You knew it was going to happen because of just the right in the middle of sending your guys out, not getting your guys back yet. He had 15 field goal attempts, and that was about on par, maybe even a little less with what he'd been putting up, at least at the beginning of February, right? A couple of 25 field goal attempt games in there, 19, 17, and then the 18 against Milwaukee. He shot nine times against Memphis, and he shot eight times against Indiana. If you go back to at the beginning of the season, right, when they were at their most healthy, LaMelo Ball was playing, you had nine in his debut against Atlanta, 13, 16, 9-7, 12-11, 16, you get to 6, and I think that's the lowest amount of field goal attempts that he's taken, but you're also, at at least without an injury, if I'm not mistaken, either way, you get the point. You have to go back to like at the beginning of the season to see this type of lack of volume for Brandon Miller on any consistent basis. And now it's not consistent yet, only two games, but the difference here is that you have an entirely different team. The guys that used to be playing and coming off of the bench, they're not getting any minutes anymore. In fact, Steve Clifford is really rolling with an eight-man rotation with just a dash of Bertans in there, just a little bit, 12 minutes, and then he comes in, and that it's not too much, but he still counts a part of it, just eight-and-a-half-man rotation, if you will. Are we just going, like, are we going to see what, Doug? 13 field goal attempts per game on average the rest of the way? Like, are, are we going to get him shooting a decent amount more? Like, what kind of volume do you expect for Brandon the rest of the season? I don't expect it to revert back to what, it was, you know, before this deadline. And I hope it doesn't, honestly, because I don't think that that was healthy for him, um, that kind of shot diet, and I don't think that it was healthy for the team. The team didn't look very good when it was you know, essentially Miles Bridges and and Brandon Miller just sort of taking turns going ISO possessions. That didn't look great. I think you will see some kind of return to a little bit more of an equilibrium when uh, when this rotation really gets figured out fully. I don't think – Steve Clifford has not had enough time to get his hands around exactly what he wants to do. You can see him experimenting with different lineups. And so, you know, again, LaMelo's got to come back, got to figure that out. Everybody's going to have to figure out, like, what, what, you know, what you're comfortable with in terms of the amount of shots that you're going to take. What you like from Brandon Miller, though, is that he's still finding ways to impact the game. And especially in this one, I mean, late he hit a shot uh, that put them up eight late in the fourth quarter, and he he drove on the big. He got on Turner, drove on the big, stopped, pop, hit it from mid-range. It looked like Jason Tatum. It looked like Paul George. Like it was a killer shot to put them up eight right at the end of the game. It really stopped 
any momentum that Indiana hoped to make. And that was it, was, it just looked like an all star level mm-hmm. shot. So that's what you want to see. You want to see a guy that can step back when other players are playing well. But look, you're going to have a game coming up. I don't know who it's going to be against if it happens, you know, right after the deadline or if it's if it's this next game on Wednesday. You're going to have a game when Grant Williams can't hit the broadside of a barn, when Bertans is not playing well, when Michich isn't giving you something, and then you have to go to Brandon. Brandon already has the experience this rookie season of taking that kind of load. It's just you don't want him doing it every game, but you know he can do it, and that's exciting. So I I was just looking at what Brandon has done really this entire season. If you go back to basically the beginning of December and now you have LaMelo injured and you're starting to deal with, okay, Brandon Miller is certainly the guy. I mean, it's his team and just how much he has the basketball in his hands. I mean, he's not with the super superstars where those guys are, you know, it's their offense and they have a hundredth percentile usage every single game. But you're getting close to 100. I mean, you're in the 90s pretty consistently. You're never below 50 except for once in that stretch since we can go back to the beginning of December. Doug, I wouldn't be bringing this up if it wasn't such a stark difference, right? Now we're talking about both games here with the new bench players at under a 50% percentile usage. And that's what I'm interested in. You brought up, so, so okay, if we try to question why or, or if this is going to happen, the lack of volume the rest of the way, now we need to question, is it good or bad? You you mentioned the healthy shot diet. It wasn't great for the team. It wasn't great for Brandon Miller. The thing is, like, are we sure it wasn't great for Brandon? Because Brandon was playing really well. The team around him wasn't. Like, and and I, that's where I totally agree with you on the, yeah, it wasn't great for the team because they were losing a bunch and having more talent is going to help. And now you can spread the wealth and it's just harder to focus your attention on a million different guys than just have to depend on Brandon. But my my, my question is, is it is it still good to give Brandon the superstar looks before he's a superstar yet at that kind of volume? And the thing is, if he was just so inefficient, then I would be like, oh, thank God. Okay, now he can go back into a role where he can settle in. And there's still some truth to that. There's still a lot of truth to that. But he also was really good yeah. <laughs> with all of that responsibility. Yeah. And so that's the question. It's like, I, I wonder how much they're going to bring that back as they continue to move forward. And so those those are just a couple of thoughts I have about Brandon. Yeah, for sure. And and I totally agree with you that you want to see that from him. You want to see him taking that many shots at some point and multiple points throughout the rest of the season. I'm not saying Brandon Miller needs to take eight, nine shots oh, the yeah. rest of no, the way. No, no. Here's what I'm saying. We're getting close to the end of this all-star break period. He needs a rest. I'm glad he's getting some minutes where it's not all on him right now. That's That's what I mean. And then – you're, you're right. He has been an efficient scorer. Here's what I would like to see more of the rest of the way, though. I would like to see him expand his playmaking ability. You know, to, to be the super wing that we all know that he looks like he's going to be, but I don't even want to say can be at this point. I think he's going to turn in to this player. It's so exciting to watch him play. When, I, not if. Yeah, that's right. And I want to see him expand his playmaking game. And so let him focus on that a few games. Let him focus on – uh, defense. I mean, he needs to improve as a defender. There are multiple areas of the game that he needs to improve on. And so, what I'm just what I'm telling everyone is that what this trade deadline has done 
is allow him to explore those aspects of the game because it's very difficult to explore any other aspect of the game when you know and everybody else on the team knows if Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges don't score a thousand points, the Hornets aren't winning a basketball game. That's no longer the case, and so he can look at these other aspects of his game. It's only going to help him help him when the Hornets actually legitimately have to win tough games against good teams. No, and and you're right. Like the the team is winning. They've won two games in a row. So so don't do the thing that was hurting you and not allowing you to win those games. But also this is th- this is prime territory for the age old debate of. Do you just let your young guys go the bleep at it if you're going to rack up these L's and not go deep into the playoffs at all? Or do you want to build the winning culture, which I also know you tweeted about? And I think you're right. It's been such a losing culture here. You need to fix it. These guys are happy. Yeah. So let them be happy. Let them win and be happy and rejoice in all of the victories that the two but all of the victories seemingly coming our way I want to talk about that in the next segment but last thing on Brandon Miller I think Brandon Miller's smart enough to understand look if he wanted to go into these games and take a bunch of bad shots what what's stopping him like the ball has been in his hands the ball is just moving to other players because I think he has basketball IQ enough to know hey we've got some new players here let's try to get them let's build their confidence let's let's help them understand you know, what's what's going on out here. I know I'm going to get mine. Like Brandon, like, Brandon Miller has no confidence issues. He understands that he's t- he was talking before the trade deadline. He was talking like a guy that knew that this was his team now and in the future, okay? So he's got no problem there. I think th- this is a smart play by him to just, you know, rein back a little bit because you know you're going to get yours in the future. Well, yeah, and and of course you can't say anything if you're winning and you're like, hey, I need the ball more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, well, that that led to ten I would wins. do that's that something that I like would do. Five. That's a me. That's a me play. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that is. That's a that's a Branson Miller, not a Brandon Miller. All right, let's move on. One more segment to go coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll get back to that winning culture. Doug wants to talk about how important it is to build that. What they're seemingly doing right now. And is Steve Clifford at the helm of that on top of the new players? And if so, does Steve Clifford come back next year? We've been flirting with that a little bit more. We'll continue to coming up next. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off of our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you, and it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. And so today, you might want to say how you really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week as you do last week, and you're just not able to get that off of your chest. That's where BetterHelp can come in. Therapy can be different for everyone, and most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off of our chest every once in a while and just let it out, be able to vent and let people know what's going on. If you're thinking of starting therapy, then give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash NBA. More Locked On Hornets ahead. I brought up one age-old debate when you have such a bad team. Do you just let the young guys cook, even if you're racking up a bunch of L's so they get ready for the future? Or do you try to do the thing that allows you to get the victories a little bit more so, even if you take away some of the volume from your younger players? And so we are in the camp of, hey, let's get the wins right now. 
even if it means less volume for your number two overall pick. But also, Doug, because, okay, if you rack up the wins, you start to understand how to win at basketball a little more so, and then you build that culture. Yes, Tankinistas might want you to lose so you get a better draft pick or you get better odds at selecting high in the NBA draft. But I think here, this is the time where we've already done a lot of losing. The more wins you rack up, it's not going to take you out 10%. Like, it's not going to be a 10% difference of you getting the first, second, or third overall pick from now to where we end up at the end of the season. And you might see a decent amount more wins. Like, that might be true. But it's not going to be a big enough difference, Doug, to matter to me to say, all right, we're winning a little too much. Let's go ahead and dial it back because there's one thing. Okay, we can be in the top five. I don't want to take us out of the top 12. That's not going to happen, and so that's why it's all the more important to try to win as many uh, basketball games as you can. Absolutely, and you also have to take into consideration the fact that this is a weaker draft that having – I don't even know – I mean, maybe having the first overall pick would be great. I guess it's great in any draft, but, you know, the difference between – two to seven is is not going to be that significant this is this is not a draft that people are screaming about okay so you have to take that into consideration but more importantly what you said you've got to at some point step on the gas and build some kind of culture not even it's it'll eventually get to a winning culture that'll happen when they win actual you know games that matter but you've got to build some kind of culture they had zero culture prior to this trade deadline you've got to start building something winning games helps you do that and you've already got you've already cashed in you already hit the lottery with LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller and you just have you just have to have high hopes that LaMelo's this whole ankle situation gets itself figured out and you've got those core pieces there and you may look Miles is playing extremely well right now and if the Hornets go inside him then now you're you're building third fourth fifth you know core pieces as well and so, you know, I, I think this is the right time to just win as many basketball games as possible and, and start to build those winning habits because that, that it is important. It, it, it will be important next season to go into this season with some – come out of this season with some kind of momentum for sure. Steve Clifford now has a couple of wins back-to-back with new players. And we talked about this before the deadline, Doug, that, okay – Miles Bridges loves Steve Clifford. Wojnarowski uh, talked about that when when he dropped the news that yet yeah, Miles and Rich Paul they're going to veto any trade, uh, no matter what trade is on the table, they're going to veto it, and they have that power because of the qualifying offer. Who is Steve's so, agent? Because kudos to Steve's agent for slipping that one in. The, all the news is uh, popping around, and people are calling Woj and saying things that I want to know who Steve's agent is because he just got that note under the door just in time. It was a great little nugget there. So, so, right, like, why would you put that in there, you know? Like, there are a couple of reasons. Well, I Woj guess, and Steve, what if, Steve is, like, on Woj's pod every year. It seems yeah, like they have oh, a relationship. No. Yes, they absolutely do. And he said that Miles and Steve have a great relationship, that they're really close. Like I said, Nick Smith Jr., he talked about how Steve Clifford is the best coach that he's ever had. There's a relationship there. Doug, how many times have we talked about LaMelo and Steve? Uh, that seemed genuine, right, where Steve – continues to talk about how great LaMelo is. And then that's reciprocated in a way that it really wasn't with James Borrego, right? Like LaMelo, you know, shared thoughts on Steve more so than he ever did when Borrego was the coach. All of this to say, even with the documented like uncertainty around Steve Clifford, 
the rumors were out that Mitch Kupchak was not going to be the GM anymore. Like we knew that was going to happen and we weren't surprised yesterday. Like, oh, okay, timing, it's here. All right, everybody get on their horses and ride and tell the world. But it's not surprising to see that happen. Hmm. With Steve Clifford, it's almost surprising that we maybe don't expect him to be moved on from at the end of the year. Like now it's a real 50-50 shot, in my opinion, where I used to think, oh yeah, it's clear as day. They're going to clean the entire house. They're going to move on from Mitch. They're going to move on from Steve. Now with the head coach, all we continue to see, Doug, even like even when we brought this up a couple of weeks ago, yeah, now there's a real shot, like a very, very real possibility. It seems like he could come back. If you pull your best players at the end of the year, Miles Bridges, Brandon Miller, LaMelo Ball, I mean, Mark Williams hasn't really played, but I, I guess that's a, a future core piece as well. If you pull all those guys and you say, hey, what do you think about Steve Clifford? And they all give you the big thumbs down, the Roman, you know, emperor, like, you know, send him to the Lions, then it's an easy call. You, you move on from Steve Clifford, mm-hmm. okay? But if all of those guys are playing well because end of the season, you made some moves at the trade deadline, you made the team better, everybody's playing well – I don't think they're going to say that just based on their comments all season long when they were losing, <laughs> like when they were yep. playing terribly, they all still yep. got behind Clifford and said, look, game plan was there. We just didn't execute. Right. So I don't think that that's going to happen. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, these owners have gotten Schnall and Plotkin. They've gotten a little bit of a taste of glory because I think even though you're oh, hearing yeah, some. No, you're so right. You're hearing yeah. some propaganda about <laughs> about Mitch Kupchak. You know, oh, final act. He, you know, he leaves us this final gift. Uh, come on, guys, like this was. I just this. I will go to my grave whether I get direct evidence or not. I will go to my grave believing that this was a Schnall and Plotkin production. That this was an owner-led trade deadline. That they were active in not only saying here's who we have to move, but here's who I want to go get. Okay. Mm, okay. You're 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 saying they are the GM straight up. In like this we want the first not, not, and not moving forward. I don't think they have a desire to do that. No, I know. I yeah, know. Yeah, I think mean. in yeah. this particular one, it was like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're very much here to help. Okay. You know, lean on us, but also we are going to mm. make some decisions as well. So um, I, I think that was a big part of it. Okay. And so they've gotten a little bit of taste of glory about making a change. And then the fans in the arena, which they were in, they were there sitting uh, somewhere, and uh, they're hearing. I think our guy Evan Hale has had this whole email document, like the big email thread of just meeting Rick Schnall and then meeting Gabe Plotkin. You know, big shout to Evan. Got to throw his name in the GM hat at this point, I think. You know, I think he's (laughs) inside track. He's He's campaigning as well as anybody, to be honest with you. Uh, but they've gotten a little bit of taste of glory and let's go Hornets chance that's feeding that. And so I think the danger for Clifford is that a big name comes up, big name hits the market, and they just, even though everyone loves Clifford, even though you'd love to see some continuity for Brandon Miller and continue continuity for LaMelo mm-hmm. Ball, because LaMelo Ball's issues have not been Steve Clifford's fault, right? And so, you know, but but the big name comes up and they fall in love with the idea of, oh, let's make a change here because we can make a change. I would rather them invest heavily in a new front office, not just a general manager, but invest heavily in a, in a new training staff, in a new scouting department. I want heavy investment in that team building side. If, if it was a choice between one or the other, and maybe you could do both, but I would rather them focus on that and leave the guy that everybody likes. And you look, you're giving him good players now, and you see what he can do. If he does that the rest of the season, then that's the answer. Like, you've got a guy, if you give him some tools, if you give him some ingredients, he can cook. 
Um, by the way, I was looking up the the real Evan Hale just document of him emailing Gay Plotkin saying, "Hey, would love you know I'm a big fan," and then Gay Plotkin and Rick Schnall saying, "Hey, I'll meet you once you get to the stadium." And so that was really cool. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. You're all right too. Like with Steve Clifford, yeah. Now he has some things to work with. Where it's just the young player, man. Like that's what it is. I I don't even know. I Doug, like to be fair, I'm not even sure how good these guys are. And that's not even to try to do the rain on everybody's parade thing. I just uh, let me know get my umbrella out. Here we go. There's the umbrella. No, I'm just I just know that at least they're veterans and they're at least third year players. Well, and I guess, you know, with Michich, he's a rookie, but you know, not really with him being so, you know, much older and being in the Euro League. It's just not Leaky Black. Leaky Black was getting a lot of minutes and he was undrafted. Mensa. Like Think think about just how far in the depths of the NBA player pool they had to go. As soon as before, before they get to their second game, the Hornets announced that now they're sending guys back down to Greensboro. These guys were a part of the real rotation that Steve Clifford had to throw out there. And now he can run with just eight, nine guys and be good. And none, zero of the bench players that were getting any time before the trade deadline are getting time now. Nick Smith Jr., late first-round rookie. Nope, you're not playing anymore. Leaky Black, nope, not playing anymore. Nathan Mensa, JT Thor, just hadn't happened for him. Les Thor, none of those guys. So I'm not even sure how great they are. I just know that they're veterans, and Steve Clifford can work with a bench that is a competent enough NBA player, not a competent enough G League player. And that's no fault of the young guys. It was a terrible situation that they were in. It was absolutely terrible. They were asked to do so many different things. And, hey, it's your it's your 13th game. Here, ball's yours. Check up. I, what? Okay. Uh, what do I do? Like, that's what they're doing. And here they are having an actual bench unit. Um, go ahead if you wanted to share something there. Well, and if look, if your plan was to rebuild next season – then I would totally say, yeah, you know, politely ask Clifford to move on because that's not his forte. Go and find like a, a coach like OKC did or, or, you know, whatever, and go say, hey, I need a coach that can come in and relate with young players and play a lot of young players. If that's the deal, then move on from Clifford. That doesn't seem like it's the deal. It seems like, you know, Mitch Kupchak wasn't fooling. It looks like this is going to be a retool, not a rebuild. They've got three first-rounders to play with this next offseason. They could go out and get a Mikael Bridges and really round out this whole starting lineup and make it a competitive team in the East. If that's the plan, then I would stick with the guy that knows how to coach veterans and has done – you know, that's – here's – I'll tell you selfishly why I want Clifford to stay because I don't want Clifford's tenure to end without him, you know, really once – not even counting 2015-16, but like once giving him actual legitimate NBA star-level players. He had one in Kemba in 2016, but giving him st- multiple star-level players. And let's see what the guy can do. Let's just see what the guy can do. I just want to see it. I just want to see it play out so we don't have to end the tenure going what if. Last thing I'll say about Cliff. Doug, do you remember the players poll? when there were a couple questions about coaches you would least like to play for and most like to play for. And Steve Clifford showed up on both lists. Yes. <laughs> He's so, demanding. Is, 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 is Right. These players, these players, it's, I guess it's up for debate on how well they're responding to Steve because before 
they weren't getting any wins and it was it was bad okay like even some of the effort stuff was there too uh, there was enough there to question how well they were responding to Steve Clifford's message right that was legitimately up for debate but when they go to the mic they say things about him that they don't say about other coaches they've played for James Brago being the only other head coach that they've played for here in Charlotte but they're telling you how much they love playing for that guy so it's not like he's coddling them I don't think anybody would accuse Steve Clifford of coddling these players. Maybe LaMelo last year a little bit in the public eye because he didn't want to say anything bad about him at all. Right. And that's true still. But okay, that's fine. Like, let's focus on the actual players that are a problem, not LaMelo because he's not really a problem until he's on the bench. Um, with Steve, these players respond well to the coaching. And I think that's what's interesting is he was on both lists. But it seems like these Hornets players are more on the I like playing for Steve Clifford a lot more so than the other one. And I think that I think that matters a lot. Here's the bottom line. OK, he bought a haunted house. Steve Clifford bought a haunted house. And all of a sudden there's an exorcist that came in and just made all the demons go away. OK, if you're the bank, if you're Rich Schnall, Rick Schnob and Gabe Plotkin, if you're the bank, you cannot come and foreclose on this guy. All the demons, all the ghosts and the goblins and the ghouls, they're all gone. He's got a house now. Let the man live in his house. That's all I'm saying. He's sitting there dancing with him now, man. He's made he's it's basically just a big old party over there with all the ghosts. And now he's like, All right, party's over. We're getting y'all up out of here. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. Also make sure you go check out Doug Substack, every hornetsboxscore.com, and you can listen to me on sports radio, ninety two seven WFNZ every weekday from twelve to three PM. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 